Hey guys, Pastor Jurgen here. We're so excited you're tuning into one of our amazing messages. What you're about to hear is going to be fresh, it's going to be real, and it's going to be powerful. It's going to help you to grow stronger in your walk with God. It's going to put faith on the inside of you. It's going to cause you to be able to walk in greater dimensions of blessing and enlargement so that you can be a blessing to other people. Well, lean in, enjoy the word. God bless you. I love a church that is not afraid to honor. In fact, I love a church that doesn't believe that honor is a specific day. Um, you know, we don't honor the Lord just on Easter. We don't honor the Lord just on a Sunday. I love that our culture is that honor is a daily thing. And I love that when it comes to the military, we're taking ground and we're shifting and we're actually bringing them all the way up to the front so that we can honor them the way that they are. And on a Memorial Day, you know, with a Memorial Day message, this one always hangs with me. Greater love has no one than this than to lay down one life for his friends. That is, if there's any way to describe our United States military, the men and women in service who go out to the front lines, who go and they are asked to do just unimaginable things on behalf of freedom, knowing that they might be laying down their life. And they go willingly because of the person left and right of them, because of the brother and the sister. And it's 100% the essence of our Lord. Because Jesus Christ, he went first. He went first and laid down his life. And our military models that in why they they still thrive today, why they still continue. So I know that on Memorial Day, we honor those who have lost uh, who served, lost their lives, gave the ultimate sacrifice, and also those families that lost. Um, I'm also going to ask, I would love a, just a, a round of gratitude for any of those who have served or who have someone serving right now. Come on, just give a little bit of clap. And I say that because you don't need to wait till a Veterans Day to be grateful to a veteran. You can actually do that every single day. Why not? Lean in with some thanksgiving. And I'm also thankful for our pastors, Matt and Loren. You are absolutely amazing. Your team is amazing. I know that our our regional pastors, the Hubbards, love you. Our senior pastors, the Matesiuses, love you. They love seeing everything that's happening here. So uh, I do need to get into the word. I can sit here and, and, and just throw praise and thanks all day because I just love being here. Um... But uh, what we're going to do, it might get a little bit different. At the 9 o'clock, I got some looks. Uh, I did. I got some looks. I kind of I went a little bit edgy, if you will. And I'm going to stay that same route. And the reason why, well, the reason why is because Awaken's not afraid to be real. Awaken's not going to hide and say, oh, let's not talk about it. Because we're going to talk about it. Because right now, there are battles everywhere. There are, if you flip on the news, and it depends on what channel, you flip on the news and you see pure tragedy in our country today. And then you also see, you know, political agendas that are using and abusing, you know, our grieving and what's going on in our country. And then you also look and you think about what's going on in our school system. There's always something, but also battles are equally as real as you might be walking through a valley right now that you might not see how to get on top of the mountain. You might not see that trail. 
I don't know where you are in your, in your current battle or your current walk, but understand that the battles are always going to be around us. And so since it's Memorial Day, we're going to keep talking about battles. And then we're also going to kind of call you back in to the battle. And I'm going to say call you in for a reason. We are in culture clash. We're almost done with it. We're at the end of our series. And society likes to think that calling out is a good technique. Like they, they, what they do is calling out used to be great. In, in biblical portion, Moses, which was actually his name to draw out of, he called the slaves out and out into, you know, their, from their position and then actually brought them forward. He actually was someone who was calling out. He brought out, but he also didn't bring in. He, he got them out, but he was not the one who brought them in. And now today, society likes to say, well, let's call out. They're calling out today is to draw attention to you and your trouble or your ish or your oops. When you get called out, it's not normally for good. It's actually to exploit. It's normally to say, hey, look at them because I'm insecure over here. So we're not going to call you out today. I'm going to call you in. And I'm going to give you a little bit of a context of what that looks like. So I was very fortunate. I served in the military for 20 years. I was in the United States. I'll take it. I'm proud. Thank you. And I know that there's some in here that served with. This is where I normally get a chuckle or two because I served in the United States Coast Guard. Yes, it is. It is a service. It's a military service. I served in the United States Coast Guard. I enlisted thinking that I was going to be the next David Hasselhoff on the beach, slow run, glistening. That's what I thought I was going to do. That was not my journey. Um, after the first few years of service, I ended up in New York, and I was actually in New York when 9-11 happened, and I served diligently there alongside so many, uh, seeing one of the world's worst tragedies ever. And then as I started to segue from there, I thought, okay, I'll get back into my Baywatch antics, and it never happened because then I actually spent more time overseas. I went to war two times into Iraq. I spent most of my time in South and Central America working on the war on drugs. I had a very, very unique and distinct career, which was not very Coast Guard-like, uh, but I was blessed with so many unique opportunities, and the one I get to share on is when I was invited to go and become a basic airborne paratrooper. Because that's where the Coast Guard needs it. David Hasselhoff needs to jump out of a plane, y'all. <laughs> so when I, was, when I got to go to Basic Airborne, uh, I was already a chief. So I was a little bit higher up in these ranks. And there's a lot of these uh, uh, E2, E3, Lance Corporal, Corporal. Everybody was a little bit lower. But because I was in the Coast Guard, they're like, hey, let's, let's give this guy a shot. Let's see what he can do. And I went through my couple weeks of training where basically all you do is you learn how to do the same thing over and over. You step this way, you take a step, and then you fall. And then you step this way, you take a step, and then you fall. Um, that is pretty much the skill set that it was for me at basic airborne school. And so when it came time to do these real jumps, I'm lined up in this, this C-130, and I've got Marines to the left of me, to the right, a couple Air Force, some Navy, you know, there might be a SEAL in the mix, and then there are all these Army guys. And I'm like, okay, I really don't like heights. 
The truth is I spent a lot of time flying, but it really isn't the fact of being up high. It's the fact that I don't know who packed my chute, nor do I know who worked on that engine last. And I am trapped in this box. I mean, I, I had to get some faith. And so as I'm sitting here and I'm like, okay, let's just do this. Let's just do this. The jump master looks over and he goes, hey, Coasty, which you stand out when you're the only guy in a blue uniform amongst a sea of camouflage. And he walks out, brings me forward, and he puts me right here. And the door to the airplane, which is open, is right there. Now, we're coasting about 2,000 feet up, maybe about 2,000 feet, about 170 miles per hour. And I said, what are you doing? He says, you're going first. I'm like, but let the let the the E1, E2, let him go first. I'm in the Coast Guard. Why am I going first? He says, because if you'll do it, they're not gonna let the Coast Guard guy go without them going. So there was a little bit of peer pressure. He's like, so you're gonna lead the way. And I'm like, okay, I got this. All I gotta do, turn left, take a step, fall out. That's about all I had to do. And so Sure enough, we hook up, we double check everything, everything's ready to go, the green light flashes, the, the, the jump master yells at me, I step out and I fall. Now when you fall in basic airborne school, they tell you you're gonna count to six. One, one thousand, two, one thousand, three, one thousand. You get all the way up to six, one thousand, and you kind of sing it, because at that point, your canopy should be open and you should start to drift. But somewhere between one 1,000 and six 1,000, my helmet had fell over my face, which is now like echoing anything I ever do or say. So I'm like, one 1,000, two 1,000. I almost sound like the count. And so uh, everything's just echoing and I can't see a thing. But when I get to six, like 6,000, I had not slowed my descent. Instead, I felt like I was slowed a little, but I was actually gaining momentum. And the reason why you have 6,000, 6, you get six seconds, is because at seconds seven, eight, and nine is when you better deploy that reserve chute. Otherwise, you're going to have a really hard landing. And so I get four, 5,000, 6,000, and that's when it hit me. I wasn't slowing. And they don't tell you what to say after 6,000. What, what would you say? What do you think you would say? 7,000? I didn't say 7,000. I went like this. Ah! And it echoes. It was the loudest shrieky yell thing I've ever done after that great call forward. Thank you, by the way. And so what had happened is that my chute was actually twisted up, and the risers, which actually connect me to the chute, had twisted and they were pinning me into this position, and they say what you're supposed to do is you're supposed to kick. Kick and bicycle kick as much as you can and pull the risers across. Now, I can't see, so I feel my way up, and my little feet start moving like this as fast as I can, and I'm still like, <laughs> And then finally, what felt like an eternity, everything slowed. It was peaceful. So I take my helmet as I'm drifting. I look up. Thank you, Lord. And then I prepare to do my landing, which is nothing more than a controlled crash or fall. And I hit, and I get up, and I'm like, I did it. My chest is up. I'm looking good. And then I got called out because the sergeant on the ground said, hey, chief, who was the girl who jumped before you? But I was first. 
I would, no, I, I would, it was, so being called out means that someone wants to draw attention to you, probably when you're not in your prime, but we serve a God that calls us in. Being called in is being brought into participation, being brought forward. Doesn't matter where you thought you should have been sitting in the plane, he's gonna bring you up and he's gonna take you to that next level. So as we go forward, today our message is being called to the front. I, had, I didn't look at it last time, so I gotta take a peek. It'll, oh, I, love, I love our media team, amazing. We have some just amazing, amazing talent at our church. So as we look at calling to the front, we're gonna start off with 1 Samuel 17, three through six. And I'm gonna do this, we're gonna paint this picture because we're gonna use a military story in the Bible. And in 1 Samuel it says, the Philistines were standing on one side of the hill and the Israelites were standing on the other. Then a champion named Goliath from Gath came out from the Philistine camp. He was nine feet, nine inches tall, and he wore a bronze helmet and bronze scale armor that weighed 125 pounds. There was bronze armor on his shins and a bronze javelin slung between his shoulders. So in the Bible, it paints this picture of like the biggest nine foot nine iron bronze man that you ever can see. Scale armor is just plate, like over plate, over plate. And it was massive. And this is at the time where we were about midway towards the end of the bronze era. So like in the bronze age. So now we introduce copper. Everything is heavy. Like warfare has become from sticks and stones to very graphic, very dangerous. And these, these uh, champions like uh, Goliath was, they would be so skilled at this time that to have that much weight, 125 pounds, running around, the spear itself was probably another 20 to 30. He still had a sword and a shield. This man was magnificent. It's interesting that the Bible takes time to talk about what he looked like. Because if you dig a little bit deeper, you start to realize, and what our first point, is that the armor that you're carried to bear reflects whose side you are on. See, Goliath had the most technologically advanced garb that he possibly can. He was prepared to be the, uh, everything would be inferior to him because of everything that he had, let alone of his sheer size because he was a giant. But his armor was different. So if I fast forward through the story, which I think you, if you know, you know, David won. But uh, as we fast forward, David shows up and he's like, hey, why is everybody afraid of this chump? I can beat him because I know God. And everyone's like, no, stop that. You don't know what you're doing. You're only like this big. He's about this big armor, you, you small. And he says, no, I can do this. And he actually was able to convince King Saul, I should go out and I should slay this giant. Saul, he... He was kind of taken back by this. He actually opposed it first, but then he agreed. And he said, David, and actually, right, it's uh, in our Samuel now, we're 17, 38 through 40. Saul clothed David with his armor. He put a helmet of bronze on his head and clothed him with a coat of mail. And David strapped his sword over his armor, and he tried in vain to go, for he had not tested them. Then David said, Saul, 
I cannot go with these, for I have not tested them. So David put them off. Then he took his staff in his hand and chose five smooth stones from the brook. And then he went on his way, as I paraphrase for time. David took all of Saul's best and he put it on. But then it wasn't right. It didn't work. He said he tried in vain. And how many of you know that sometimes the things that are designed to protect you are also the things that will inhibit you in life. Let's, let's think about what's going on in the world today. Sometimes, let's rephrase it. Sometimes the laws that are designed to protect you will also be the laws that enslave you. Sometimes the government that is designed to protect you is the same government that will withhold you. And so even though things can start with a great purpose, if they're not designed and tailored right, they're not going to allow you to see your fullest potential. And so when you look at whether you look at the world today and you think, okay, what armor am I putting on? As I start going through the, like, if I start going through in, into the world and I want to go into industry, am I following industry standards, their armor, or am I following God's standards, his armor? When I go into a school board meeting, am I sitting there with the interest of what the panel says, or am I sitting there with the interest of what God says? You know, equally, if I'm coming into church, am I doing the things that I think are comfortable and normal, or am I doing what God is actually telling me to do? The armor that you put on reflects who's on your side as well as whose side you are on. So I'm going to tell you, if you're going to put on an armor, if you're going to come into alignment, Ephesians 6.10, therefore put on the full armor of God so that when the day of evil comes, you may be able to stand your ground and after you have done everything to stand, stand firm then with the belt of truth buckled around your waist and a breastplate of righteousness in place. You have the authority to put on the armor of God, and it doesn't fit like Saul's. It was designed by you because Jesus Christ, our God, knew you in the womb. He designed you. He built the mold, and then he broke it because he said, you are extra. You are special. You are supposed to be the alpha. You are my son. You are my daughter. And then he said, by the way, I'm giving you all of this, and it fits nobody else but you because he will tailor make his armor for you and your situation today. Oh man, come on, nine o'clock was a little bit fired up. Who wants to live, let me, let's look at this. Who wants to sit there and say, hey, I'm only going to do what worldly things say I can do when God has already said that you don't have to do that because you have so much more, you have more to offer, you don't have to come into alignment with this because you are in alignment with that. That is our God today. Man, the armor you are called to bear reflects whose side you are on, and it reflects who is on your side. It's time to put on some new armor. Think about what uniform, every day in the military. It didn't matter I was in the Coast Guard, because the flag I had meant that I was part of this nation. The same flag that the Marines, the same flag that the Army, the same flag that the Air Force, the same flag that the Space Forces. It does not matter my uniform 
or like where I felt I was. What mattered is that I was a part of this nation. And because of that, I can do nation-like things. I can go out. I knew I had the biggest and baddest military with my back because I knew who was on my side. But God is equally there, and he is there for you too. Point one. All right, we're sliding in. We're moving in. Point two, your call to action is about your gold, not about your glory. When you think about how we were made, who we are, we have an identity in Christ. We have a potential. We were all given talents. We have God-given talents. Now, in the parable of talents, they talk about money. But we have God-given talents, too. In the parable of talents, it says, don't take the talent and hide it. Take that talent and go out and use it. God wants you to achieve the biggest, best, boldest version of you that you can possibly become. Now, if we dive into David, you're going to see that it's not the easiest thing all the time to know And it's really easy for us to kind of get our own ego in the way and think that everything that we're supposed to do is because it's reflecting of me. But that's not where we're at. So if we, and it's not up on the board, but in uh, 1 Samuel 9, Samuel's talking to Saul and he's talking, he says, I am the seer. Go before me to the high place for today you shall eat with me and in the morning I will let you go. And so at this point we've got, Samuel is saying, Saul, you are going to be the next anointed king. You have a purpose that is bigger than what you see. And I'm going to take you forward. I'm going to honor. I'm going to sow into you so that we can better prepare for when this day arises. And this is what Saul says. And this one you can put up. I am, am I not a Benjamite from the least of the tribes of Israel? And is it not my clan, the humblest of clans? of the tribes of Benjamin. Why have you spoken to me this way? Saul entered into his kingdom, his kingship under the Lord, his anointing, and he said, I'm not good enough. I, why, why me? Maybe, maybe them. You know, if, if you read in the Bible, Moses had a hard time entering into the same calling that he had, but the Lord rebuked him. And finally, Moses shifted his mindset. Saul, as you read, will never shift his mindset the entire time. As you go through 1 Samuel to 2 Samuel, it's, well, David did this. Well, I'm not good enough for that. Well, I'm I'm worried about this. And all of a sudden, the ego became more important than God. And it was the gold that he already had, because Saul had gold too. He just forgot that it wasn't for him. And he just started focusing on, well, me, me, my, my. Whereas of David, on the other hand, he had the heart for the Lord. He knew that as I step in, I know for a fact that I'm going to do this for God. And that is where you see David receives that anointing. And in Peter 4.10, it says, as each, of, as each has received a gift, use it to serve one another as good stewards of God's varied grace. Saul didn't get it. He didn't use what God gave him. Instead, he buried it. What are you bearing today? What has God given you? You have gold on you, 
that you don't even understand its fullest potential. Some of you have a calling. Some of you are the next worship, stepping right up here with Pastor John and Lilo and belting out one of the most amazing things, setting forth this atmosphere so that the Holy Spirit can move. Some of you are called to teach to our younger generation. Some of you could be right up here doing the next prophecy saying, hey, it's not about the revival is continuing and that we're gonna shake this city loose and that, by the way, you better start preparing that you're gonna have this building, but you're gonna have another building and then you're gonna have another one over there. And it's not just, we heard... Where the mountains are going to rise down is this valley is going to go so much higher that you're going to see above every single mountain. That's what you have because you have that in you. You have the ability to lay hands and heal. And if you don't use it, what are you not taking opportunity for? I remember the very first time I wanted to give a prophecy like the Lord was just like, hey, now's the time. Tell that person what you saw. You prayed. You had a vision, you saw it, tell them. And I didn't. Instead, I said, but what if it's wrong? What if it doesn't come true? And then what if I look like I'm a fraud? It it didn't feel good. But the truth is, is that as I started to stretch that muscles, I started to see that the gold, and when I would have a vision or when I have something to share, it wasn't necessarily about me, it was about fulfilling what God had asked me to do. That's when I started seeing breakthrough. So I can happily report that when God says, hey, tell them something, I'm not gonna hold back today. I'm not gonna hold back tomorrow because the reality is, is that what am I, what am I afraid of? What am I holding back for? Is it because I don't want to see God move? And it actually happened. I actually, uh, not too long ago, I had an amazing young man who I was, yeah, he was part of the internship and I had a word for him and I shared this wonderful word. I said, you got a season coming. It's actually, I even gave, I, I was specific. It's in this month that there's going to be some breakthrough. You're going to have more joy than you ever had. That All these things are going to come to fruition. And all of a sudden there's going to be this shift. And about, I would say it was January. He comes back to me. He says, it didn't happen. You were wrong. And, and I, that fear hit me. I was like, oh my goodness. And I asked him, okay, well, why? And he said, well, in the month of October, I met this girl and we were dating really good and everything was great. And I thought when you gave me this word that she was the one and that this is where it was going. And then we broke up on October 31st. And I said, well, I didn't say it was about a girl. I said it was about joy in your heart. I said it was about breakthrough. The vision I had, you brought the woman into it. And I asked him, what did you overlook in the entire month of October? What did you overlook in the entire month of November? And he goes, I didn't celebrate with my family. I didn't go out with my friends. I didn't come back to church. He's like, I actually struggled in the internship. And I said, how much joy have you been denied because you thought you understood God's plan? And he looked at me, he said, that's really bold. And I feel really bad of what I've missed out on. And we're still great friends to this day. And I still have no problem leaning in if I have a word 
because he came back and he said, I went back and I actually reconnected with everyone and I went back and I did this. And he said, I might have missed out on November, but why would I ever miss out again? So he had that shift of heart over my insecurity because God can use that and he can work it. He can shift that for you. If God's gonna give you talents, if he's gonna give you the gifts of the spirit, if he's gonna give you ways to operate and it's uncomfortable to do so, what shifts and changes are you, are you missing? What are, what are your friends around you missing? You are called to be the salt and the light. It's hard to be the salt and the light if you just stay silent. It's time to call in. It's time to come in. And we're going to move on to our point number three. We'll start off. When we look at uh, David, King David, David was the youngest uh, the three eldest followed Saul, and they had gone to war. They had gone to fight, and uh, David was not a fighter. In fact, uh, in Samuel seventeen fourteen, the three eldest follow, followed Saul, but David went back and forth from Saul to feed his father's sheep at Bethlehem. For 40 days, the Philistine, Goliath, came out forward and took his stand from morning and evening. And on the day that David went out to the front line, Jesse said to David, his son, take your brothers and Ipa and of this parched grain and these 10 loaves and carry them quickly to the camp to your brothers. Also take these 10 cheeses to the commander of their thousand. See if your brothers are well and bring some tokens from them. David's calling was not to go and change the war, at least as he understood it. David's calling at the point was to tend to the flock. And to tend to the flock was actually not something that the son would do. It was the daughter, or it was the, the smallest, the weakest. David was just doing errands, but on that day he was asked, go take care of your family. Go take care of his, his commander. Go out and be the light for them. Bring them some food, bring them nourishment, and then come back and be the messenger of if some things have happened, if there's been some victories, if there's a change, because his father's got three men on the front line. He wants to know how his sons are, and so David went out knowing that that's what he was up to do. Oh, I can do this, and I'll come back, and I'll retend the flock. Our point three is that if you're called to the front, are you hiding in the back? And I'm going to say hiding because we hide for a lot of reasons. For years, I hid in a place where I was more comfortable. Now, I had received some breakthrough, as many of us do. I had, I'd had some amazing encounters with God, but I also felt like I was not the guy who should achieve that potential. I knew that there was butterflies, there was a pit in my stomach where it was like, I really could be doing more. I could be serving because I wasn't. I could be tithing. My wife was for me. Thank you, beautiful woman in the front. But I was not fulfilling everything that was on the inside of me. And I didn't even understand what the fullest potential was. I just knew that there was more. When David went out there, he was out there doing the simplest of tasks. And then it became the most monumental of his life. He was not in the front lines, 
but he was a warrior who needed to be in the front lines. So God called him forward. Is God calling you today? Are you fresh through understanding, you know, giving your life to Jesus and then all of a sudden I get a little comfortable? Did you go through a battle to where you had to fight and pray every day and now you just kind of took that breath and you're like, I need a breather, but then time goes on. Are you challenging yourself to come forward to the front? You, you have the ability to build the next generation. You have the ability to change your city. You have the ability to speak in. You can prophesy, you can speak against, you can lay hands. You have everything that God has promised is already upon you. Is it time to stop being in the back or the middle or sometimes first or second row, we need this too. Is it time to come forward? Is it time to come forward? So I'm going to ask, is it time to put on the armor of God? Is it time to put on the full armor so you can take your stand? Whatever the battle is, is it time to sew in and start serving on a team? Is it time to to learn more, join an internship? We have instruments that if it's time to do something, if you wanna be a business industry leader and understand how to align, we got a Pathfinders program that's gonna talk about, we got some Pathfinders in here. It's gonna, we're not about taking your gold. We're about helping you take your gold, uncover it, and give it to the Lord so that you can achieve your best. So we're gonna do altar call a little bit different today. We're gonna bow our head, close our eyes. And the first thing I'm gonna ask is, if you are away from Christ, if you're just taking that journey for the first time, if you've never given your life to Christ, I'm actually gonna ask you to, while everyone has their head down, eyes closed, to raise your hand. God has so much gold in you. There is so much talent. There is so many gifts. He wants to do nothing more than allow you to achieve your fullest of potentials, to live the best life, to live a life of joy. And it doesn't matter where you feel you are because he's going to bring you to where you belong. So today, if you're away from God, if you want to rededicate your your life to God, if you want to get closer or just restore that relationship because it's been a little comfortable, I'm just going to ask, raise your hand. Thank you, Lord. I see that hand. Thank you, Lord. If it's time to restore and reconnect, just give a wave. Thank you, Lord. Thank you. Thank you in the back. Now we're going to get a little bit bold because I said I'm going to call you in. I'm going to call you up to the front. So let's have everybody open your eyes. You can look back up. Is it time that you come to the front? We just had several give their life to Jesus. But is it time to take your life with Jesus to the next level? Is it time for you 
to move forward. So if you feel that you've been withholding something, if you feel that it's time for a new season, if you time for a fresh anointing, a new oil, a new covering, if it's time to look past the things that you just conquered to start looking at what you're going to conquer next, I actually want you stand up right now. Be bold. Call to the front. Come join me. If that was you, come join me. And I say so because God loves the courageous heart. God loves when you are bold. There are so many opportunities. This is the fresh seed of the next harvest. So let's go ahead. And if you waved to join and to come in with a life of God, you can join us too. But we're going to raise our hands today. And everybody, you can come to you. Go ahead, join your feet. Everybody can stand up. Place your hands up because this might not be a seed for today. It might be a seed for tomorrow. Father God, we thank you that you are our creator, that you knew us. You knew us before. You knew us during. You know us to our fullest potential, Lord. We thank you, Lord, that you built the mold and filled it with talent, with gold, with prosperity, with love, with, with courageous, courageous hearts like David. We thank you that where we are today is not where we're gonna be tomorrow. We thank you that today is the beginning. It's the beginning of the next. It's the beginning of a fresh anointing. It's the beginning of a new calling. It's the beginning of a new way to serve. It is the next level, Lord, and you are calling us further and further. Father God, we thank you that every act of bravery today is paid in generations. That it's not just here, it's gonna go and it's gonna transpire to children. In this room right here, there are gonna be prodigals returning. In this room right here, there's gonna be healing. In this room right here, there's gonna be the prophetic. There's gonna be prophesied. They're gonna be breaking ground, Lord, because they have your heart. They have your anointing. They have your love. And we thank you, Lord. So Father, today we declare that every brave hand in the air, every person who made it forward, that we declare that there is a fresh anointing, that there is a fresh harvest coming, and that the callings on them are gonna be impacting. There are salvations at hand. There are people who are gonna be coming into this church, Lord, and there's gonna be joy. That is the promise. There will be joy. Father God, we declare all these things in your name. Amen. Wow, what an amazing word. I hope you enjoyed that as much as I did. Hey, listen, for more information about our church, go to www.awakenchurch.com or subscribe to our YouTube channel if you haven't already and download our app. It is amazing. It is chock full of incredible messages information about upcoming events, and you can even support our ministry if you feel so inclined. We loved having you with us today. We look forward to seeing you again. God bless you. Live a life that is transformative. Bye for now.